welcome to episode 232 of Speaking of Mysteries. I'm Nancy Clare, and joining me is Stuart Onan, whose noir novel, Ocean State, is scheduled for publication on March 15th. Welcome, Stuart, and thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks, Nancy. Thanks for having me. So before we started the recording, you and I were exchanging thoughts on nonfiction versus fiction. We're both nonfiction authors. So tell me, why do you think writing fiction is easier than nonfiction? Because you can make it up. <laughs> it, it's fiction. You can make it up. You have to be true to the characters, but you know the characters better than anybody in the world. You've spent more time with them than anyone in the world ever will. You, you've lived with them for years in your head, whereas with nonfiction, you're talking about shared facts that the whole world already has. And you may, in fact, just be learning now. Um, so say if I were to write a nonfiction book about Hylai, I know nothing about Hylai. So it would be a joy to research it, to understand the game and its, its roots and, and its cultural significance. But I would have significant gaps there uh, where you know I would need somebody who knows the game better and knows the history of the game better and the culture of the game better to fill those gaps in. Um, and so I have to be very meticulous to get that right. Whereas in fiction, I'm always really solidly grounded within my characters. I know what, say, Angel and Ocean State is going to do or think about a certain thing. Uh, I know what Birdie is going to do or think about a certain thing. So I, I'm much more sure, I guess, of, of my, my, my alternatives, my possibility. What I can do in the next sentence, in the next paragraph, in the next scene, I... I have way more forward motion and confidence going forward. Well, I think that that's admirable because I find the, the guideposts of the truth uh, so much easier that it's, it's like, oh, I can't say that. That's not true. But right. that's, why right. fiction, that's why fiction writers, I have tremendous admiration for them because they can create these universes. And we're going to talk about your universe in just a second because readers find out in the first pages uh, what the crime is. As a matter of fact, it starts with your first narrator, which is uh, Marie, and she's talking in the first person. And so I, I think it's fair that we're not going to describe Ocean State as a mystery, but it is a deeply noir crime novel. Um, is that is that accurate? I, I think so. I mean, it's not a who done it, but it's it's a it's a why and a how and and a what it means. I think I think that the real mystery at the heart, I think, of, of Ocean State is what what is love? Um, why why do we need love? And, and and why does the lack of love or the need for love make us do terrible terrible things? Um, and, and make us in, in a weird way sort of emotionally needy and greedy. It, it once exalts us and makes us miserable. Um, and, and it acts upon us as if it's an exterior force, um, when in fact it's not, it's from within us. And I think that's the, the real mystery there. Uh, Chekhov says that everything, every drama is about love in some way. And, and when I, I started this book, I was taking off from a real life murder that happened in uh, East Oh, you anticipated my next question. Okay. Yes, it was based on an actual murder in a small town, a Connecticut river town, 
uh, back when I was living in Connecticut. And I was kind of fascinated by the case. It was a 13-year-old girl who had gotten in with this group of friends and, and tried to ingratiate herself by sleeping with the boys in the group. And the girls in the group decided, you know, she's stealing our boyfriends. She's got to go. And so they convinced the boys to kill her. And the group of them as a whole killed her and threw her off a railroad bridge into the Connecticut River. And I was utterly fascinated by this case. It reminded me very much, uh, well, a little bit of River's Edge, the old Tim Hunter movie mm -hmm. uh, with Cam Reeves in it. And I was just wondered about that. And so I tried many times to sort of to get into it, to, to dig into that small little river town in Connecticut, which I'm fascinated by small towns. I, I come from the city. Um, so they seem just amazing places to me. Um, mysterious in a way so well, you, I, I tried to get into it i tried to get into it as a a murder type mystery um you know where the girl disappears and then we have to find out from all the people and, and we find our way through a series of clues to exactly what happened and then in the end there's the shocking revelation of what happened but what's really shocking is not you know finding out what happened but in fact what happened and the consequences of that when people understand what they've actually done um, so it took me a long, long time to just find a way in. You know, you, I'm going to jump ahead to a couple of questions because you, you've brought up two things that fascinated me about this story. And this is an incredibly engrossing novel. I mean, you've, this is one of those novels that you fall into and you, you, it's not that you can't put it down. You probably could, you just don't want to, but there's two things. One is, is there any place darker than a small town high school, except maybe the <laughs> heart of a teenage girl? <laughs> and, and the other thing was that these small towns, this, this, this universe that, that you created of really, uh, I think it was a string of three small towns. Um, not fancy. They're, they're, they're in Rhode Island, they're near the coast, uh, but they're not fancy. And so is there anything sort of more noir than that, than setting your universe there and this, this inevitability? I mean, it was, it was sort of a Greek thing for me, like, this, like the gods were playing with these people that were in this little area and it made me question free will. Well, well one thing that, that really sort of gets me about the small town is there's nowhere to hide. There is nowhere to hide in a small town. Everybody knows everybody else's business. Everyone speculates about everybody else's business. They gossip, they badmouth people. And then you add that to that high school, which is even a smaller fishbowl. And then you add to that social media on top of that and the pressure of that. Um, you know, you walk out of the house in the small town and, and everyone's looking at you and you know exactly what they're thinking about you. And what they're thinking about you in this case is not good, not good at all. Um, so that, that, you know, gave me sort of an extra pressure. When you're looking for a, a I think Hemingway called it, uh, character is what happens when, they're, when, character, when people are put under pressure. Now the character of them comes out. Um, so I had those characters that were energized and they're gonna collide with everything else as soon as they walk out the door. Um, so that, that really made it easy for me to have characters motivated and characters kind of, in a way, for Angel and, and her, her boyfriend, Miles, they're kind of on the run, in a way. They're on the lam, but they're going nowhere. They're going in circles, they're stuck. Um, which, which seems very noirish, you know. They're, 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 
they're caught in a nightmare of their own making. Um, they've and transgressed they, and now they have to pay the price. And they, they can't es- they can't escape it. And you've got this this element of the socioeconomic differences. I mean, uh, the family dynamic of Angel's family, her mother, Carol, her sister, Marie, who is uh, our first person narrator, um, is, you know, they're barely hanging on. And Carol is a, um, she's, is she a nurse or a nursing assistant or? She's a nurse's assistant and, you know, she's doing her best. She's doing her best. It's, it's a challenge. She has a sort of interesting relationship with her ex-husband. She has a boyfriend that the girls don't like. Um, they, they bad boy, he's a bad boyfriend. Bad a bad boyfriend. boyfriend. Wes, bad the bad boy. boy boyfriend. They sort of have drifted from a place to live to place to live. It's, it, it's a very American story. And it's not one that is, these characters are not often central to mysteries. Because they're the they're the people in the middle that you know and you walk by and and you know you either are in that area uh, that socioeconomic area and you think about it or not and then you don't think about it you don't think about the nurse's assistant you don't think about the checker in the market unless you're a writer and they're your characters yeah I'm 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 also from Pittsburgh um, you know and in Pittsburgh that's the first thing that you you wonder about you know who's working where, who's got a job, who doesn't have a job, how are things going with you economically, you know, can, can you make ends meet, you know, you know, do you have to move, you know, how, just, you know, how are you doing, right, that's the first question people ask me, how are you doing, um, and sometimes you have to say, yeah, not great, you know, we're not, we're not doing great, it's tough, you know, it's tough out there, it's tough out there for a lot of people, you know, even, you know, during the boom times, um, the, the boom doesn't bring everybody along, um, who's, who's included and who's not included, you know, in the boom times and the good times, who's, who's welcome in America and who's not. Um, I guess a better way to have put that. And that was sort of an awkward way of asking the question because I keep thinking of different things about this novel is it is a novel of contrasts and it's a class of rich and poor and the popular versus the socially awkward as, as you talked about with uh, uh, the fact that you, if you are in that sort of so- socially awkward area, you're gonna walk outside your door, you're gonna know exactly what people are thinking because you read it on social media before you left the house. And it's, there's family rivalries and it, it's just, it's a, it's a pressure cooker. And I thought that was a great cross section of the world that we're living in in this country right now. Well, thanks. Well, it is you know, partly ac- accidental um, and partly just inevitable from who is going to be around, you know, Marie and and Angel and Carol and Bertie, because I, I, I wanted to focus on them and the people that are most important to them. Who are the most important people in their lives and what is that relationship like? Is it broken? Does it need to be fixed? Um, what can be done about it? Um, and, and just looking at those, those points of, of tension and conflict, um, naturally, it just brought in everything. I brought in like the grandmother and the mill and the demise of the mill and the demise of the town. Um, again, a little bit of Pittsburgh in there. We, we know about mills that you know, have, have fallen on hard times. Um, and Rhode, so, Island yeah, is, just... Rhode Island's a fascinating place to set it. I mean, it's, it's the smallest state in the nation. It, it does have an industrial past. 
lot of big yeah you know there was a lot of manufacturing a lot of weaving and shoemaking and all kinds of things that there aren't anymore and it has left certain people behind the grandmother was one of them she could talk about uh the factory uh that marie and carol and angel lived near the uh, twine and um the line and twine yeah. line and twine the ashaway line and twine yeah yeah well you know I, the, the the idea that you know that that times have changed and times have moved on and left you know the town behind they've left the road that they live on behind and those houses that had been built for the employees of the mill the mill has been left behind and marie in a strange way finds the mill kind of her hiding place. She doesn't quite belong in this, you know, this current present world. She, she wants to get away from it. And so she'll go and hide out in the mill. They go roller skating in the old mill. She goes and reads her book by the dam in the mill. Um, I think she'd be happier going back to a more, you know, bucolic time, you know, back to the 19th century in Rhode Island when it was booming. Um, just as the grandmother would like to go back to the 1940s and 50s when it was booming, just like the mother would like to go back to when the family was all together, um, just like uh, Angel wants to go back to being with Miles when Miles was all hers. Um, so there's all this loss there. And what do you do with that loss? How do you make up for that loss? Um, is it possible to make up for that loss? And how do you live with that loss? And I, I well, think that's what it, it eventually the book becomes certainly in the second half is how do you live with losing something that's so important to you? It's interesting that you brought up Angel because I thought that the, the idea of Angel and Miles as a relationship is obviously it's key to the story because they are the people that are involved in the crime. But Miles is in a, from a different class than Angel. And he's a different kind of, person and she is determined to hang on to miles and what he represents which brings us back to the first part of our conversation when you talked about the definition of love and what is love does angel love miles or does she love what miles represents or is it just a matter of obsession um so that i found that interesting too because every young person i don't think it's just young girl or young boy every young person has had that kind of obsessive uh first love or almost first love well with with angel it it becomes a question of what is she worth what is her power um and and in high school it seems that it's her looks sometimes her athleticism uh, that make her popular and makes her you know important and a lot of her worth is tied up in being part of Angel and Miles, right? He's handsome and popular and cool and all that. And together, the two of them are sort of a power couple. Uh, But when Miles ends up cheating on her with Birdie and that news comes out, uh, a lot of Angel's world is just, you know, pulled out from underneath her. Um, And so she becomes, uh, you know, she's wounded and she's angry and she wants to assert her power. Um, and she feels that she can because in, in a sense, she is a stronger person than Miles is. And she basically strong arms him into coming back into their relationship and, and kind of forgiving him, kind of, um, but making him prove his love for her. I thought it was more like holding him hostage. 
there's a little bit of that there too. But for my, Miles is not the brightest guy. Miles is, you know, there, there's a reason that I, I uh, what's the word for it? I, I compare him to Keanu at some point there because he is like the teenage Keanu. What that relationship means to Miles is very different from what the relationship means to Angel. It means so much more to Angel. Angel cares so much more about it. And so she asserts herself. She, she regains her power. Uh, but in doing so, she, you know, she destroys everything um, to, to maintain that sense of self. And sometimes I think that happens in love and that happens in teenage romance. Um, and it's, it, is, it is a tragedy in a way. I remember attending a panel on noir fiction at a, a long ago LA Times Festival of Books. And I, I wish more than anything, I can remember who uh, answered the moderator's question of what is noir. And he answered that it was, at least to him, about contrasts, light, dark, sin, mm-hmm. salvation, love, longing, and loss and redemption, but most of all, redemption. And I huh. thought... That's where your novel goes. Your novel goes to a place after the crime. Because so often in mystery fiction, that's where the story ends with with the solution of the crime. And yours goes on to talk about the aftermath and and what happens and what happens to the characters. And it was was almost a a Stephen Sondheim into the woods kind of moment. These characters continue and redemption is a big part of of your story and and i was wondering if you'd like tell me that i'm crazy or or if that's no uh, no it's it's certainly part of it and one thing that i don't see in a lot of contemporary fiction or drama or, or television is consequence there's often very little consequence so that there are all these great grand actions and grand gestures and exciting scenes, but the actual human consequences are totally forgotten. Um, and, and after consequence, what you have is endurance. This is what you have to live with. This is, this is how you have to carry on. And, and after the crime, you know, after the sentencing, after all that, people's lives still go on. They don't, everyone simply doesn't stop and that's the end. People have to carry on and they have to find ways to carry on. So in a lot of my fiction in the last, say 15 years or so, it's about looking at how people endure and what they do to endure, the different paths that they take, how, they, how their lives change because of these large events and, and become in a sense, different lives. They're different people now, they are changed. The events have changed them. There's no going back to the people that they were before. There's no going back to the world that was there before. Um, and this is true, I, I think, in, in cases of murder. Um, and any sort of capital crimes like that, or in cases of war, people are changed and changed forever. Um, but their lives don't end. Um, they have to keep going. And where do they find the faith to keep going? Where do they find that hope? Is it in the people around them? Is it in their community? Um, is it in, say, some sort of faith? Is it in the church? Um, how do you do it? That's always been, you know, speaking of mysteries, that seems an ultimate mystery to me. You know, how do you go on? It's that old Beckett and, uh, you know, I can't go on, I'll go on. What choice do we have? We keep going. Is it inertia or is it some sort of power within us? Um, do we just go on because we don't know how to stop? Um, some people do. Some people find a way and say, I can't go on. I'm going to stop. But most of us keep going on. Um, 
question is, is it simply, as I said, dumb animal inertia? I guess some some days it feels that way, and some some days not. But especially after think, the last two years. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you know, I mean we've got plague, we've got war. You know, people's health is always going to you know our health. We're 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 born to die, right? We were born to sicken and die. So how do we just keep going on and keep you know doing what we do? Um, no, I, I mean that 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 is I guess the existential mystery at the heart of I guess everything I've written. You know, from the beginning, even the sort of the crazy violent stuff. Um, and this is a little crazy violent, but not really. This is a little more sedate. Um, but that, that, that seems to me a, a true mystery. How do some people go on? And how do some people not go on? And, and the way, I don't want to spoil it for the people that are going to read this. And the way they go on is, is interesting. They, they, with the exception of the, of the character that's murdered, they go on. And they to a certain extent are scattered to the four winds, but at the same time anchored in this town in Rhode Island. And Marie finds her way back. And you, you mentioned something at the beginning of our discussion where she might've been happier in a 19th century, early 20th century Rhode Island. And that's almost what she tries to recreate is this uh, quiet world and you know, I, I, so it's always interesting when there's a very introspective character because that has to be difficult to write. Yeah, but I, I knew that she would be my, what, what they call the recording angel, right? She's the, the witness. She's the witness to all these things. She's the quiet one. She says very early on, you know, I hardly said anything, but I was always watching. I was keeping tabs on every unkindness that the people closest to her did to each other because she can't, she can't bear it. Um, so she, she watches it, she holds it within her. She, she sits or stands in judgment in a strange way. Um, but she also has to accept everything. Um, in the end, her telling the story is, is basically an indication that she can't. She can't, could have, she can't accept it all. She has to show it to us and say, what do you think? Because I still can't make sense of all this. But I love what you say about her going back to that previous time. I hadn't even thought of that. There are some of that imagery at the end there with her wearing the barn coat of her grandfather and bringing in the firewood and all that. It really does harken back to the 19th century, which and, I, hadn't and, even, I hadn't even noticed it. And sitting and sitting and reading a book, which of course, you know, she is, she is a character. Yes, she's the recording angel. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard that term, but it's excellent. She is the recording angel, but she's also, um, a character that her touch points are through literature. The things, as she, especially as she gets older and she becomes, I don't think it's that much of a spoiler, just say she becomes a teacher. And uh, once again, you know, someone who externalizes what uh, her, not necessarily her experiences, but her education and her interaction with other people. She's, uh, you know, she's not gregarious and uh, sort of a clubber. She lives by herself, wearing a barn coat, bringing in firewood. Yeah, and, and she, she keeps a lot of her feelings to herself as well, even when she's there with, with Angel and with her mother, you know, going through that the hardest of times, she, she tries to keep quiet and, and just to watch everything. Um, and yeah, 
a cipher, but but in, in this, I think she also has a very active role there after uh, Angel comes out of prison is staying with the grandmothers. I think, I think yeah, Marie is much more of an active character than we think she might be. Um, but... Well, she, I think she becomes, um, even though she's the younger sister and she's <clears throat> made fun of and, you know, she's overweight and she becomes, she becomes the anchor and not the anchor that, that drags them down, but the anchor that keeps them from flying off into, uh, you know, into God knows what. Oh, as, as is the mother too. I think the, the mother, Carol becomes much stronger, I think, through this ordeal. Um, I think she, she begins the ordeal not knowing very much about how the justice system works and what she needs to do. Um, and she finds her way in, in, in a very difficult situation. She finds her way to get things done. Um, and to do what she, she needs to do, which is to bring her daughter home um, and to keep the family together, to hold it all. I mean, she's been doing this ever since her husband left. She's been holding things together. And now even more, she has to hold them together. Yeah. And, and that, uh, that's actually a previous question that, that I skipped over was, you know, families are complicated. And Ocean oh. State is, is very much the story of a family that is... I think sort of holding on by a thread at the beginning and interestingly, as you pointed out, stronger for having been tested. I mean, it could have completely fallen apart, but, you know, Carol uh, has had her challenges, but she's also not stupid. She realizes that she's got to do, she has to do what she needs to do to take care of her children. And that means reaching out and doing things she might not otherwise have thought she would do, especially in that kind of Yankee universe of, of Rhode Island. And that, that also extends to, you know, whether Angel is in fact innocent or guilty of the crime she's been charged with. Um, at some point to Carol, it doesn't matter. This is my daughter. I'm going to defend her and stand by her no matter what, um, which she wouldn't have thought before this. Uh, but when she finds herself in that situation, there's no hesitation. She, she does it. Right. It's a, just a fascinating book and, and interesting. Uh, it, it, it's funny how these things happen. Ocean, I had started to read Ocean State. It occurred to me that it's in, you know, set in Rhode Island. Uh, Don Winslow has also set his most recent book in Rhode Island. Uh, they're very, very different books in many ways, with the exception of family is is paramount. And uh, I, I, I think maybe Rhode Island is, is coming into a moment uh, for fiction, which is a good thing because it's, it's kind of an interesting place. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you bring in the sort of um, mystic pizza uh, illusion, which for many people is the only uh, touchstone for Rhode Island in the beginning that, uh, that Angel, uh, Marie calls Angel Julia Roberts and thinks of herself as Lily Taylor. <laughs> and so I thought, that, I thought that was a nice way to sort of put them in a point in space because most people uh, have seen Mystic Pizza or they can go see it if they, if they want to. And it, you know, it's, it's a remarkable movie and it's, a, it's very good. It talks about... Uh, Portuguese Americans, which is not something people think of, 
but it's very prevalent in Rhode Island. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I Mystic Pizza seemed like a perfect thing for the saying, what movie should they be watching here? You know, and they should be watching something that is about kind of sisters in a way um, and has that happy ending because it's one of their mothers. It's one of Carol's favorite movies. She simply has that DVD hanging around uh, and they like it. Um, but what happens in, in Mystic Pizza, of course, is the exact opposite of what happens in a state, right? One, one is sort of this Hollywood product, even though it's an indie film, it's a Hollywood product where everything happens for the best for everybody. In an ocean state, it seems everything happens for the absolute worst. So there's a little irony there too. Even though it's a sweet moment, I think, between the two. And I needed that moment of sweetness between them to close up that opening section because the opening section begins with, when I was in eighth grade, my sister helped kill another girl, which is pretty, that's, that's pretty, pretty dark. That's pretty super noir right there to open that way, you know, but to close it with the two of them on the couch underneath the blanket, they're warm. It's sort of a windy night outside and they're watching Mystic Pizza. You know, I, I, I wanted that, that moment of togetherness for them um, because I know the story is going to tear them apart. What are you working on now? Because now I'm completely uh, obsessed with your work. And I know that I know, you know, in the in the in the sort of the life cycle of a novel, you wrote this a couple of years ago. You turned it in last year. Uh, you've had a lot of time, like most writers, <laughs> to write. Uh, no, uh, nothing, nothing really worth talking about. You know, oh, which means there is something, but we'll just have well, to wait. You, know, you, you always have ideas. Again, I mean, like this book, the, the, the murder case that happened in Connecticut was 20 years ago. So I'll, I'll have three or four things sort of always bubbling in the background thinking, you know, how am I going to find my way into this? How am I going to find my way into this? And suddenly something clicks. And I'm like, oh, that's how that, you have to do that. And so it's, it's a very slow catching on very rarely do i say okay i'm going to write this book and it's going to be like that and it's all going to turn out like that if i do that halfway through i'm like oh that's boring because i know what's going to happen i need i need to have that mystery of i'm really not sure how this goes i'm really not sure what's going to happen with these two or how how i get to this place so i don't know i'd expect something that's that's i hope a little lighter a little cheerier um a little more sedate, I think. Well, that gives us something to look forward to. Um, thank you so much for your time and for talking to us about Ocean State. It is really a fantastic book, a great book uh, to read, maybe on a dark stormy night or on the beach or anywhere. <laughs> well, thank you, Nancy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm.